as the choir is uh, moving down, I want to say thanks again for your wonderful hospitality, and uh, thank you, Phil, for your introduction. Uh, it, it worried me a little bit, though. If you noticed, Muzan, uh, what, he, what he said was he investigated to see if there were Brewster Big stories he could tell, and there were none. <laughs> so, I'm not, you know, that's open to interpretation. But um, it's great to it's great to be here uh, with you this evening, and uh, what a blessing to be in in uh, in this uh, beautiful place, and as I said this morning, in a beautiful church, the church of course of the people. Uh, but Susan and I were walking uh, down beside the uh, Chicago Tribune building in Chicago uh, toward Navy Pier a couple of years ago, and just looking at the side of the building, and there were stones from great architectural sites all over the world. And just above a stone from one of the locks in the Panama Canal was a stone that had a plaque beside it that said, Oklahoma, Boston Avenue Church, the first with modern architecture. And uh, I thought, wow, that's impressive. The first with modern architecture. And uh, there among all of the, all these magnificent uh, sites from all over the world, and uh, so to be in this place is, is very special. Um, Lisa and Greg Hines gave me a book about the history of the church, and uh, I appreciate that uh, very much. They dropped it off at the, at the hotel today, and I noticed the title was something like More Than a Building, uh, and I love that, uh, that it, it is more than a building. You are much more than a building, so I'm really pleased to uh, be here, not only in this beautiful place, but among you beautiful uh, people as well as we share this time together. I, uh, I want to read um, the text for this evening. Of course, we're following throughout the series the very short passage from the fifth chapter of Galatians where Paul outlines uh, the fruit of the Spirit. But I want to read this evening also 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 through 9. Brothers and sisters, we ask you to respect those who are working with you, leading you, and instructing you. Think of them highly with love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. Brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are disorderly, comfort the discouraged, help the weak, be patient with everyone. Make sure no one repays a wrong with a wrong, but always pursue the good for each other and everyone else. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in every situation because this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Don't suppress the Spirit. The Word of God for the people of God. Well, you know, we started this morning looking at this great list in the New Testament, one of the great lists of Scripture, the aspects of the fruit of the Spirit, and looking at it with that aviation analogy of the, the scan, situational awareness, uh, scanning our lives as a pilot scans the instrument panel of an airplane and scans outside. We scan outside of our lives, inside of our lives, uh, to see how we're doing. What are the indicators that indicate whether or not we are uh, living uh, by the Spirit and following the Spirit, to use Paul's words from Galatians and, and whether or not our lives are bearing the fruit of the Spirit. Are we leading fruitful lives in the way that Paul 
wants us to ask that question. Paul says that a fruitful life, the fruit of the Spirit, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This morning we talked about love, joy, and peace. And this evening, it's patience and kindness that we're focusing on. Think of patience and kindness as we did with the others this morning as kind of indicators in this season of Lent, particularly as we're scanning our lives, as we're looking inside of ourselves and around us in our network of relationships and our relationship, in fact, with the community and beyond our relationship with the world. What are those indicators telling us about our faithfulness in following Jesus, our faithfulness in being guided by the Spirit in following in the way of Christ. Patience and kindness are two of those. Now when I think about patience, I, I wonder how can I, of all people, talk to you about patience? <laughs> and when I think about patience, I think about something that Bishop A. Frank Smith said many years ago. This was back in a time, I need to tell you, when all clergy were male. And so you'll understand his language. This was a long time ago. A Bishop Smith said, The hardest thing about being a preacher's wife, and by the way, this is true of being a preacher's husband as well, the hardest thing about being a preacher's wife is living with him six days and believing him to be the voice of God on the seventh. <laughs> and if Susan, my wife, were here you would hear amen coming from the congregation. Fortunately, she is safely iced in in Fort Worth as we, as we speak. But it's a tough one. Patience is really one that I struggle with. I don't really like it very much that Paul has put that on this list. Uh, when I'm scanning during Lent, I really don't want to deal with this one. Because patience is tough. I, I, Friday, just Friday, I was in the grocery store. There were two checkout lines open, which, of course, immediately I want to know why just two checkout lines. No express lanes are open. I have five or six things. I get in what appears to be the shortest line, and you know the rest of the story, don't you? I get in the line, and I unload everything, five or six items that I have, and I look up, and there is the champion of couponers in front of me. I mean, the stuff reality TV is made of. She has a stack of coupons like this, and they're scanning and scanning and scanning and scanning. And so I begin to look over at that other line, and it looks a little bit shorter, and I'm thinking about loading everything back into the cart and moving over there. And just when I'm about to do that, here comes someone with a grocery cart loaded with stuff, and they take up the other line, and so there I am. Patience. The, the very word makes me think of waiting in a grocery line, made, waiting to get into a restaurant, waiting at a red light, being stuck in traffic. It's the thousand little things that test patience, isn't it? And so for Paul to say that this is a fruit of the Spirit really bothers me a great deal. I, I, I love the prayer that says, Lord, give me patience, and I want it right now. <laughs> and and that's really, that's pretty much who I am. And it's those thousand little things. There's another prayer that I like. Lord, we can handle the elephants, but deliver us from the gnats. Don't you like that? It's all the little stuff. 
But when we look a little more carefully at what Paul is saying, we see that Paul is using a word that is at the same time a relief and a challenge. It's a relief to me because the word Paul uses is not the word hupomene. Hupomene is one of the Greek words for patience. And that has to do more with the checkout lines and the traffic and the gnats and the red lights and all of that kind of stuff. The little stuff. It also, more seriously, has to do with hanging on or hanging in there during a difficult time as well. But that's not the word Paul uses. And so I feel pretty good about that. I can save the the checkout lines and the red lights and all of those thousand irritations for some other Lent in some future time and I don't have to worry about that right now. And I I like that. I'm relieved about that. But I'm challenged by the word Paul does use. Macrothumia is the word that he uses. If you learn this verse, if you memorized it in the King James Version, you know that it's in the King James it's long-suffering instead of patience. Long-suffering is really a little closer to the Greek because macrothumia means long-tempered. Long-suffering. It's a certain kind of patience. In fact, it is the kind of patience that, that God has. When Scripture speaks of the patience of God, this is the word it uses. When it says God is patient, this is the word it uses. Second Peter says, consider the patience, macrothumia, consider the patience of God your salvation. That's the word that uh, Paul uses here. It's the fruit of the Spirit, long-tempered. See, that patience has to do not with things or little irritations, and so it lets us off the hook there, but where it challenges us is that has to do with other people. When we're scanning our lives, when we're looking at our situation, we're looking at how we're doing, it's that look inside of us and outside at all that network of relationships and all the people with whom we come in contact And that is where the fruit of the spirit of patience comes through. This is in our relationship with other people. And it's the kind of patience that God has. It's it's long-tempered. God is patient, the scripture says. Slow to anger. Abounding in steadfast love. And when we hear it that way, it's really a beautiful word. That word, like, Forgiveness or love or mercy is a two-sided word. It is a word where I can extend love or I can extend forgiveness or I can extend mercy or I can be patient. But the really beautiful side of that word is I also need to be the recipient of love and forgiveness and mercy and patience as well. So it's a strong word. It's a word that has to do with our relationship with others. It is an indicator of how we're doing in following Christ and in being the people of God, in living by the Spirit, that is the presence of God in our lives, and following the Spirit, that is following who God calls us to be, the presence of God in our lives. And it's in relationship with other people. Long-tempered, patient. It's very much like forgiveness, really. It's a lot like that. It's looking at others, our brothers and sisters, and it's being able to say, you have made a mistake, or you're not doing so well, or you're struggling with something, 
and understanding. And knowing that you also struggle and you wrestle and you've made mistakes before. It's that kind of patience with others that is born of understanding the patience of God with us. Macrothumi really is a beautiful word. It's a relational word. I wish I had time to tell you some stories of macrothumia that I've witnessed, but I will tell you one. There are many of them. There are lots of inspiring ways that people bear this fruit of patience in their lives in such a way that it's actually been transformational in the life of another person. And one that I will share with you is of Bill and his wife. Bill was a member of our congregation, and he was a greeter on Sunday morning. He greeted in the same place for years. You you know who I'm talking about. This morning I met a lady out here who told me she had greeted in that spot for 25 years, welcoming people, extending hospitality. That's who Bill was. For years, Bill was in the same spot, a friendly face, a smile, opening the door, being helpful, and everyone knew Bill, especially those who came through that west door of the church. One evening, Bill was walking in his neighborhood, and there was a young man driving through the neighborhood, a a teenager. Uh, He was distracted by his cell phone, and he veered a little bit, and he struck Bill, and Bill died at the hospital later that evening. A terrible tragedy. A shock. His wife is the one in whom I saw this fruit of the Spirit patience because here's what she did of course she was shocked and she was grieving but she said to the young man i want to meet with you and he agreed and she met with him and she said what has happened is a terrible tragedy bill was a very good man and this was a terrible thing and and you know that you caused this And it's a terrible tragedy. But she said, I don't want another tragedy to come out of this. She said, you have a long life ahead of you. You have lots of potential. And I want you to go on with your life and be a good man. Because that's the best thing that can come out of this. Isn't that amazing? She is someone who walks by the Spirit, guided by the Spirit, whose life evidences that fruit of the Spirit, patience. That's why I said it's a challenging word. It's a beautiful word, but it's a challenging word for for it calls us to look at everyone else as people in need of grace and to do all we can to extend that to others. Now you can imagine how transformational, how freeing it was for her to speak those words to that young man and how challenging. Words he will never forget for the rest of his life. And I just expect that he will strive to be a good man. So when I'm scanning my life, this Lynn, I'm not going to worry too much about the little stuff, the gnats. I am going to really pay attention to patience as Paul uses the word here. 
And how am I doing in my relationship with other people? In the way I relate to other people? The way, when I look inside, how am I viewing others? And when I look outside, what are my relationships? In what ways am I extending patience to others as God has extended patience to me? And then there's kindness. It's another indicator. How kind are you? What about the acts of kindness in your life? It's, it's really a relatively simple thing. Kindness is. Um, sometimes people will say our world is getting meaner all the time. You ever hear that? The world's getting meaner and meaner. I can remember my grandmother when I was a little child saying, world's getting meaner and meaner. Meanness everywhere. And, uh, and here we are saying the same thing now. It's just meaner and meaner. But when we look back, actually, we realize that there's always been meanness. And for some reason, it's the meanness that seems to stand out, seems to get all the attention. But the thousands and millions and billions of acts of kindness often go unnoticed because they're really very simple things. This word kindness that Paul uses, a Christades, it's not a fancy word at all. He uses a, uh, that word uh, He uses another word that is usually translated goodness. This word is also sometimes translated goodness. But because Paul uses that other word for goodness, translators translate this one kindness. But they're almost synonymous, these two words. But it's a simple word, and it's a simple concept, really. Think about about kindness. When you think about the teachings of Jesus... So much of what Jesus had to say simply had to do with acts of kindness. One of the most important parables that he tells is the parable of the last judgment, in which at the last judgment, everyone separated sheep from the goats, left and right, and and, uh, there are those who, everyone is surprised, by the way, everyone is surprised uh, to learn that when they did acts of kindness or when they didn't do acts of kindness, it was actually to the Lord himself. But they're simple acts. I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, you welcomed me. I was sick or in prison, and you visited me, comforted me. Those are really simple acts. And that's the way it is with kindness. It's not a big deal. What we're called to do is really not that everyone has to go to India and give up everything like Mother Teresa or go to Africa like Albert Schweitzer and give up a career and spend the rest of our lives as a medical missionary. Some are called to do that. That's a great thing. But we're all called to follow in the way of kindness and just to, just to perform those simple acts, acts that can make a big difference in the lives of people. Just plain old simple kindness. Carl Menninger, the founder of the Menninger Clinic, said kindness is medicine for a sick world. And if we're following in the way of Christ, if we're seeking to live in the Spirit and be led by the Spirit, then our lives will bear that fruit of kindness. Kindness takes all sorts of forms. Sometimes people will say, you know, I really don't know what I can do for other people. I really don't know what I can do that matters very much. But when they start thinking about it, when we talk about it, they realize, you know, it's not a huge thing that I necessarily have to do, but I can find some ways to be kind and to encourage. In fact, encouragement, I think, is probably the chief way 
that kindness needs to manifest itself in our world. There's too much discouragement. Someone fails. And, and what happens? So often they get mocked. And they get made fun of. Or they're told that that's it. They're through. They're finished. Someone makes a mistake. They slip up. And they don't get any encouragement. It's really very tragic. When encouragement is such a simple thing. And such a life-changing thing. It's, it's so important, in fact. Over in the book of Acts, we meet a man named Joseph. We don't, you don't know him by that name, most likely. Because he got a nickname very early on from the apostles. They nicknamed him Son of Encouragement. You don't know him by that name either. Barnabas. It means Son of Encouragement. He was such an encourager for them that they gave him a new name. I've always been challenged and inspired by that story. If I got a nickname, what would it be? I don't always want to think about that. Son of encouragement, isn't that great? Such an encourager. Have you known some Barnabases in your life? Someone who comes along at just the time when you needed it most, when you've slipped up, when you've fallen in some way, when you failed, when you haven't quite made your goal or you, you didn't get that job or whatever it was and someone comes along and they just encourage you. And they literally give you courage to get back up and to try again. That's an act of kindness. 